I'm Haley Topham, and this is Excellence in Management. Welcome to Excellence in Management. As always, thank you so much for being here. This was such a fun episode to record. Um, They're all fun, and I say it every time, and I mean it every time. But this one I did in person with the other person, and this is the first and only time that I've done that. All my other ones have been over Zoom. So it was so fun to actually sit down and be able to look the person in the eye in real life. Um, I recorded this one with Joshua Sim. Joshua is a student um he's studying the same thing as me communications and he is a compensation analyst so very different from all the other people that i've had on this podcast but i know i wanted to have him on because a i think he's smart uh b we're friends and c i just think he has great insights um everyone likes joshua i have yet to meet someone who doesn't like joshua and i think it's just because he communicates well um and he's just great, and he has great ideas, great thoughts, and so I'd wanted to hear his thoughts on a lot of these things that we talked about. Um, Joshua's also my brother-in-law, that's how I know him, um, so not only are we friends, but we are family, and yeah, I had such a good time. A couple things that I learned from this episode, I always learn a lot from the other people, and I learned a lot from Joshua, but I learned a couple things about myself that I wasn't thrilled about. First thing, I am so quiet. (laughs) There's so many moments in this episode where I I didn't feel like I was ever that far away from the mic, but I'm whispering. I may as well be whispering, and I think I just talk like that. I think it's just kind of how I am, Um, and something I can improve for sure, but I'm just a quiet person apparently, and I did not know that. Another thing, and I mentioned this in the podcast, and it's actually kind of funny, and Joshua calls me on it as well a little bit but um I every time I talked about a manager like a theoretical manager I said he every single time um until halfway through when I caught myself and and realized I was doing that and now I'm wondering like in other podcast episodes how often have I done that and as I was listening to it I was thinking well maybe it's because I've only had male managers and that's why I'm thinking of that and then I realized I've actually had more female managers than male managers so I don't have an excuse and I don't know what that is. I, well, I do think I know what it is, but I, that's something that I definitely want to kind of weed out of my vocabulary when I'm talking about managers or anybody in a professional work environment, just assuming that it is a man, because as I, I mean, as I've seen in my life more often than not for me, it's been women. Um, and I also am a woman (laughs) who will one day be in one of these workspaces. So that was an interesting thing to learn, and this has been a unique experience, this podcast, in the sense that I have to, I am forced to go back and listen to myself talk about things, and I've noticed a lot. I've noticed a lot about myself, about the way I communicate, things I could improve, things that I'm doing well, And I've learned a lot in these four short episodes. I have learned so many things. Um, But it's been such a cool experience. And I love it so much. And I love all of you who have been listening. And I appreciate it. And I hope you like this episode. I really had a good time. Uh, But here is Joshua. Joshua, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I'm excited to have you. And I'm excited for, I just told you, this is going to be a little more casual. And I'm excited for that. 
Um, also, this is the only podcast episode that I have done in person with the other person. Everything has been on Zoom. Um, so I'm excited to actually talk to you in person. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me. So tell us who you are, where you are from. Tell us, because everyone's going to hear your accent and is going to want to know. Because people ask me all the time. I have, I'll say this. I have a class with Joshua. And the amount of people that have come up to me after hearing me talk to him, and they go, where is he from? <laughs> yeah, notice so they don't ask me. Yeah. <laughs> they go to someone else. <laughs> Which, for whatever reason. Um, yeah, for whatever reason, that is like, heaven forbid, they ask you. I guess they don't want to come off. I don't I'm know. a foreigner and You're a foreigner. makes people nervous. Yeah. But tell us about your life. Where are you from? What are you doing now? What have you done professionally and in your personal life? And then where do you want to go? Great. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, so a little bit about myself. Obviously, my name's Joshua Sim, and I grew up in the UK. Um, I was born in Scotland, lived there only for like a year, and then lived in the south of England near Cambridge. It's usually where I say, because most people don't know where Peterborough is. That's where I actually was living. And um, then I actually moved to Canada for a while, and throughout I did high school in Canada. And now I'm here in Rexburg, Idaho, uh, BYU, Idaho with Haley. Mm. And uh, we're doing the exact same major, uh, strategic organizational communications, uh, which is a lot of fun. And my career goals is I want to go into human resources, specifically doing compensation. Uh, so dealing with everyone's pay and money and things like that. And I work for BYU, Idaho right now um, as a compensation analyst. And I will soon to be starting a new role, well, in a new company, um, a company called Snowflake. They're a tech company based out of California uh, doing compensation for them as well. And so that will be in about a month in April uh, when I start that. Great. And you did an internship with Snowflake before. Doing I did. I did, yeah. So what – we have the same major and emphasis, but I think we feel – somewhat similar about it, but we feel also differently about it in the sense that like you want to go into compensation. Um, and in my mind, that's like not even in the world of like things that I want to do. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's, and I, I could do it. I'd be fine with it, but that is not my goal. Um, what draws you to compensation? What do you love about that? Well, it's funny because I also never expected me to want to do compensation ever. That's, that's not why you chose this major, right? You no. weren't like, oh, comp, no. I'm going to do this. No, 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 no. <laughs> I chose this major because I wanted to do like training and development. That was something I loved. Um, I had experiences where I was able to do a lot of trainings and develop trainings and teach people. And that was something I really loved. And that's what I thought I wanted to do as a career. And I knew that human resources could offer that type of path. And so... Um, I wanted to do HR. I knew that's what I wanted to do, but I wanted to gain experience in it while I was in uh, university. And so there was a HR role open at the college, uh, but it was in compensation. And I was like, ah, I don't know if I really want to do that. Because if you know me, I'm terrible at like math, numbers, things like that. It's, name a comm major that's not, you know? Like that's, exactly. That's, we choose Most, communication we choose it. because we want to talk and write. And exactly. That's, and that's it. It's the way to avoid any math yeah, classes. Yeah. And so I was, was kind of nervous about it, but I thought, you know, if I could get this job, then maybe I can kind of needle my way to what I actually want to do, which is training and things like that. And so I applied for it, miraculously got it. For whatever reason, they decided to hire me. And the weeks went by as I started doing the job. I realized 
wow, this is really fun. And I think a part of it was there was something, I loved the strategy behind it because oftentimes they don't really think about why a certain number is attached to a job. Like, oh, software engineers get paid a lot of money. Well, why do they get paid a lot of money? Mm. You know, what's, what is it that they do that requires them to make a lot of money? Yeah, I, I got that job and I started loving it. And I think one of the reasons why I loved it is because even though you're dealing with a lot of numbers, there are people attached to the number. Mm. Um, you know, every salary that you see, that's someone's living. That's how they buy food and provide for their children and have their house and things like that. And so it, I was able to conceptualize the numbers a little more. Um, and then there's a real strategy to it as well. I loved being able to figure out on Excel, like, okay, if people are getting paid this much, how does that affect our budget? And how do we make sure that we stay under budget? And then, you know, okay, what does the market data say? What should we, who should get paid? What numbers? And how do we attach that to our jobs that we have at BYU-Idaho? And so I really liked um, that kind of strategic side of it. And I just kind of fell in love with it. Something interesting that you said is that you liked attaching people to the numbers. Like it wasn't just numbers anymore. It was like, oh, this is someone's salary that they're getting paid for a reason and they're using it to pay all their bills and their mortgage. And I think that that applies to, I would assume with my limited, limited knowledge of businesses, I think that applies to a lot of those positions where like you're not, it's not people heavy in the sense that you are talking to different people in the company every single day or coaching them or leading them in that way. But it all comes back to the people, you know, like you can't separate the people from the business. Um, do you feel like there are communication principles? Because strategic organizational communication is all about, in my opinion, all about talking and all about communicating um, and verbal and written communication. Do you feel like those principles still play into the compensation world? Like, is that essential or is it the kind of thing you, because in my mind, you're like in an office staring at an Excel sheet all day <laughs> and like it doesn't, again, like that still, even though you just told me it has to do with people, it feels separate from the people. But do you feel like communication plays an essential role in that? Um, 100%. Okay. Um, and one of the reasons why is you have to be so careful with how you communicate with people because we're talking about people's salaries mm. and the you have to hand yourself very carefully when you're talking about someone's money because people's money is very, very, very important to them. Yeah. And this is the US. We don't. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, you can't be kind of free going or make mistakes or be casual about someone's income because it's really important. And it's kind of a touchy subject to some people. And, mm -hmm. it, and in some company cultures, it's very hush hush. And so the way you communicate it is really important. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes, you know, I'm not as, as a really entry level junior person in compensation, I'm not necessarily the one talking to people all the time, but eventually I will be. And you have to communicate with employees and managers really carefully about um, why someone's getting paid a certain amount of money and helping them understand the process that goes into figuring out that number, helping them see the data, mm -hmm. helping them internalize that. Um, and so it's a lot of understanding the data and then being able to explain it to someone else mm -hmm. so that they can understand. Because I think for me, it all makes sense because I've been dealing with every day. I'm looking at the spreadsheets. I'm doing all the formulas and all these things to figure it out. 
But like you've said to someone else, it's like a completely foreign language. They don't understand. They don't understand mm. the process that goes behind it. And so it's a lot of like making it easy for them to understand, being careful with how you explain it because you don't want to be like, well, you're just not good enough. You're not going to yeah. get paid this much. You <laughs> it's know? because you're a woman. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. And, you know, it's, you just got to be so hard because people are really um, touchy with their money. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to mess that up. You don't want, you want to make sure you build that relationship with the employees, making them understand that what they're being paid is fair, it's reasonable, it's a good price, all those type of things. Mm -hmm. I have a couple of thoughts. Um, so you talked about a lot about taking this data and making it understandable and explaining it in a way that makes sense. But that's also, I would assume, you didn't say this, but like also not in a way that's patronizing or that is demeaning or that's just like, oh, you don't understand. You know, right. like you need to convey it in a way that you're like, this is actually what's happening. Does this make sense? And I think that that applies everywhere and in our lives and I was just telling someone the other day I can't remember if it was on the podcast or, or someone was asking me about something and I was talking about people who consider themselves so intelligent but can't communicate in a way that people understand like if your sentence is full of big words that no one understands then like what is the point of saying it you know and I've been thinking about that a lot how I think in HR and in business in general communicating taking a complicated message and communicating it in a clear and simple way that like anyone can understand is probably one of the most intelligent things you could do and I think if you can't do that then it doesn't really matter how smart you are like it doesn't matter if you understand all the numbers if you can't communicate that to people I've seen also I've seen um the like touchiness with salary and with numbers and and money I I feel that way just like as I've been applying to jobs, I, I was just filling out an application yesterday and it was kind of like the second step to this application and it asked me about my salary requirements and I've had a couple applications that do that and that is wildly uncomfortable to me. And I was texting my sisters and I was like, what do I write? <laughs> and they were like, you, we can't tell you. And so I just kind of did a, a Google search and, and found out like what HR entry level jobs um, typically play and then kind of put like an average range. But it's I was talking to my oldest sister, Sarah, who works in HR at a tech company, and she was saying she's like, you know, that's a hard question because you feel kind of like you're screwing yourself over either way. Like you don't want to shoot too low, but you don't want to shoot too high and then not get the job. Um, so it just like money is so that is really uncomfortable for me. And I can't wait to get to a point where I feel comfortable talking about it. And like where I'm in a business and like it's something because salary transparency really is so important. And I've heard different things about it here and there, but I it's so uncomfortable and I'm not comfortable with it. Do you feel so like you as an employee, not necessarily like as the employer working in compensation, but as the employee, do you feel comfortable talking about money with your employers? I, I think um, being. I mean, my employers, my managers, for example, are all compensation professionals. Mm -hmm. And so we talk about money every day. Yeah. So it does make it a little easier to bring it up because we know everybody's salary. Yeah. You know, we know whatever. We can look up anybody in the company and mm -hmm. see what they make. And that's just a part of our daily lives. It's part of our job. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it it is easier to talk to. But I do I do understand the how difficult it can be to address being how much you should get paid. Because in this one sense, you're like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful I have a job. 
you know, yeah. so I'll get whatever. I will I'll, take it. I'll take whatever I should get. <laughs> $2, <But> then, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> exactly. But then there are times where you really feel like, am I underpaid? Yeah. And somehow you have to bring that up. And, and I, you have to find out what other people are making. Exactly. Doing, and that's you know? hard because other people don't want to share that information. Yeah. And so I think, you know, there are some resources that you can find where you can see roughly what people are making. But hopefully in every company, there are good compensation professionals who already have a good range mm-hmm. that's market value. And so hopefully you don't have to worry too much. Um, but yeah, money can be a touchy subject. And hopefully in the coming years, it'll be a little easier to talk about. And I think it is becoming yeah. a little more easier. There are laws being passed in different states where jobs have to post what their range is going to be. Mm-hmm. Like I think in Colorado, they've done that. In New York City, they've done that. And so... It's becoming a little more transparent, a little easier to talk about, but still it, it can be very touchy and a little yeah. uncomfortable. I think this is the last thing I'll say about it and then we can shift a little bit. But I have had, and I just realized this recently as I interviewed for a job, I have had several jobs where I haven't known how much I'm going to make until they have offered me the job. So like several interviews applied for it, never knew. And then until they say, hey, we want you, then I say, how much is it? Like, how much are you going to pay me? (laughs) And I realized recently because I was talking to a friend who just had a job interview. And it was, I don't even think it was a job interview. It was like a preliminary phone call. And he asked right then. And, and he, they put a pay range on the, um, on the job posting. And he said, is that accurate? Is that what it's going to be? Because I'm looking for this. And they said, yep, that's what it's going to be. And he told me that. And I thought, I have never and should, I'm not, I won't say I will never, but I have never done that. I have never in a preliminary phone call thought like, I'm going to ask about the money because this is what I'm looking for. This is my standard. And I think part of it is my personality. Part of it is probably also being a woman, I think. It feels rude and that feels like, well, I just have to be quiet and do the job and, and you know. Um, but I do think that that really when he told me that story that he asked right away, I thought, I'm going to have to work on my communication and my language around talking around money and being clear. Cause that's also a good skill to have that apparently I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll develop it. You'll get Thank it. You. Um, okay. So, and something we mentioned it a while ago, we were talking about your accent and where you're from. Yeah. Um, and granted you're not from like a third world country. You're not from countries that are like so drastically different from the United States, but I would imagine there are still things that are different, um, attitudes and the way that you speak, um, not your accent, but like your, your communication styles. Have there ever been moments where you feel like there's a little bit of a cultural or communication boundary, or do you feel completely, and you're really easy to get along with. So that <laughs> makes Thank sense. Thank you. Um, or even with anyone else, have you had, cause I don't know if you've worked with like anyone from a different country or just a different culture where you've seen that be like a little bit of a stumbling block. Um, okay, I, the f- first thing came to my mind is kind of stupid, but um, it's funny that I deal with numbers because over the phone, people can never understand the numbers I'm oh. saying <laughs> over the phone. Like whenever I say 30, mm-hmm. people think I'm saying 13 oh. all the time. Yeah. Or, you know, just four, they don't, they don't understand four. Same vibe as when you order, tried to order a mango smoothie yeah, and the, yeah. <laughs> the person like, was like, just what? <laughs> anything over the phone yeah. can be challenging for me. Yeah. But I think on like a deeper level, um, I wouldn't say I've ever had like too many troubles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like we speak a different language, which is nice. Right. There may be times I say certain words or phrases and and uh, they they don't understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. 
Um, one so it really is more just about the accent. It is. It really. Yeah. It is a lot about the accent. One time, um, my boss said a British swear word. Oh. Which to me, I was a little like. <gasps> to him, he was just <laughs> yeah. saying a word. Okay, so right now you are working at the school soon, and then soon you're going to switch to or how are you going to be working full time or just part time when you start working with Snowflake? I'll be part time while I'm getting my degree. Mm-hmm. And then once I graduate, I'll transition yeah. full-time. So you're working part-time now and going to school full-time? Yes. And you just had a baby four I did. months ago? Four months ago, yeah. And you're married? I am, <laughs> Obviously. yes. yes. Um, to my sister. How do you balance those things? And I have a lot of thoughts about balancing work-life balance, actually, but I want to hear yours. Yeah, that was that was really challenging at first. It was kind of... At first, meaning like when you first had your baby? When we first had my baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when, when my daughter was born, obviously it was wonderful and exciting and great. Um, but there were times where I'm like, I don't have any time to myself. And I didn't realize how much I would miss that, you know, being able to just like read whatever book I wanted or mm-hmm. go wherever I wanted, you know, go eat out somewhere or, or whatever it was. Um, I couldn't really do that anymore because she took up all that time Mm -hmm. which i'm not mad at her for i'm grateful (laughs) we have our daughter but it's just it just comes with being a new parent um but i think something i've been trying to do is just trying to really allocate my time wisely you know seeing the pockets of time i have throughout the day because there will be times when okay if she's down for a nap i can do some assignments really Mm -hmm. quick or you know as soon as we put her to bed it's like okay i can i can hammer out some stuff in an hour and i'll be good to go um, and so I think just finding the little pockets in the day have really, really been helpful for me. Um, and then it's just being organized too. It's looking ahead. You know, when, it, when I start the week, I'm always looking ahead at what to do at the end of the week for like my assignments at school, seeing, okay, what's going to be take the longest, you know, what's most important, things like that. Mm. Um, and then obviously I always want to put family first. And so if there's opportunities for me to spend time with my family when, you know, my wife's at home and, and my daughter's awake and stuff like that, I'm going to try and hang out with them too. Um, so it's just really a lot of planning, finding where those little snippets of time are, where I can kind of be to myself and get my work done and then allocate the rest of my time to, you know, my family and school and work. Mm-hmm. I think the, as far like prioritization that you mentioned, mm-hmm. putting your family first, obviously, and spending that quality time with them too. Um, something that Kaleo, a guy I spoke to the last podcast episode, um, I don't think he said it in the podcast episode, but when I worked with him, I remember him telling me this because he was like opening a new store, very busy at work and was also having his second kid. And he talked to me about how like his time with his family, there wasn't a lot of quantity, but it was quality. Right. Um, he didn't have tons of time to spend with them, but the time he spent with them was completely focused on them. Um, and I think even like from my perspective as someone who does not have kids and won't have kids in the like very near future, um, I still like want to put quality time into things that are important to me and that things that are important to my happiness in life that probably don't revolve around like work and school. Um, I've been thinking lately about how all my teachers, I have so many different adults in my life that are telling me what is most important. And I may have said this in a last in a previous podcast episode, but 
so many people that are saying you need to be doing X, Y, and Z. Um, I have like so many teachers and then like parents and, and my parents don't do that a ton, but <laughs> I have all these teachers telling me that like what is happening in their class is the most important thing. And I was sitting in a class recently and I just felt like, you know, I was, I was being implored to kind of like go above and beyond. You are also in this class. Yep. Um, <laughs> and I just don't feel like I have the time. And I remember sitting there thinking, I don't have the time to go above and beyond what I need to do for this class. And so I'm not going to. And that's hard because we live in a society where we glorify like the grind and not sleeping and just and not eating and just like work hard and make money. And I just have realized that I don't want to do that. I want to hang out and go camping. And I also want to work hard and make money. Um, do you feel, does that ever freak you out? You seem to be very calm about that. Do you feel like you can do all of those things? Spend good time with your family and make money and get your degree and do good. I Yeah, I feel, because I feel like I agree with you. I think all of those things are really important. And I don't feel like we should have to trade off our quality time with our family or with our friends because we have to work and make money. I feel like we should, I mean, we're in 2023. I feel like we should be able to figure out a way to balance the two. And I think we're seeing companies do this a little more, like realizing that employees should really have some quality time and that they should have time to themselves where they can, you know, just do what they need. Um, but I think the way I view it is that, you know, it's really, really busy right now that I'm doing school, work, have a kid, all of those things. But I know that eventually it will get better. Like there'll be a little more time. Like eventually I'll be done with school and I won't have to worry about assignments due at the end of the night. You know, and it's just keeping that kind of perspective, I think is really important. Mm -hmm. And also it's just knowing like, I'm, I don't want to be a CEO of a company. Or I don't want to own my own business because yeah. I know the time it takes to to do that. I've seen mm -hmm. it firsthand. And it's not like those things are bad things. I think it's wonderful that people want to be CEOs and they want to open their own businesses mm -hmm. and do those business ventures. But I just know for me, I would rather have the stable job that maybe I don't make as much money, but I feel like it pays itself off because I get to be with my family. Yeah. And so I think it's just accepting the fact like, you know what? I'd rather have this type of life than another type of life. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Some people want the grind. Like they seek yeah. after it. And I don't understand those people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but props to them. If they want to do it, that's wonderful. I mm -hmm. think they should. Uh, I just know for myself, that's not what I want to yeah. do. So. so that, and I feel mostly similarly. Every once in a while I wake up and I'm like, no, I want the grind. I want to do all these things. And then by the end of the day, I'm like, no, I don't. I, right. I lied. Um, but something that I think is a really interesting specific dynamic is people like us who don't feel that way, who don't want the grind, we want balance and we want to do good work and put an effort, but also we want to go home and focus on that. And then when we are put in groups, in school groups or in teams at work with people who don't feel that way. Um, have you ever had an experience like that where you have a group member, wherever it is, if it's professionally or even socially, just like in your life, who is like, nope, you need to be doing this? Because I think we see it even like in a social situation now that I brought that up, like 
imagine like someone in your family or in your friend group who's like getting up at five in the morning and is like, come on a run with me, come do these things. And you're like, that's not my priority. Right. <laughs> that's not. And that can be hard, especially in a professional setting where someone is wanting you to behave in a way that doesn't align with your values. Yeah, that's challenging. Um, cause I've had experiences like that where, um, for example, I've had, I've had, um, some groups here at school where one team member wants to meet all the time, hour long meetings. It's go, go, go. We've got to do this, blah, 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 blah. And for me, it's like, well, one, I don't like doing that. Mm -hmm. But then two, I really don't have the time yeah. like to do that. And I've had groups with this one person in the past and it was tricky. And so we had another semester come and then we was put, we had the same class and then put in the same group again. And I think I just had to lay out the expectations right from the beginning. Like, Hey, you know, I'm, I've got a kid at home. I've got work 20 hours a week. I won't be able to meet for hours on end, but I can do this and this and this, and this is what I can bring to the table. And I think setting those expectations at first, I think will um, eliminate some of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess it would eliminate, pressure. yeah, eliminate the pressure. It'll eliminate um, any conflicts you may have in the future. Because if someone then knows at the very beginning, like, oh, they have this thing going on, they or they are going to do this, then you eliminate kind of that feeling of like, what are they doing? Why aren't they doing this? Blah, blah, yeah. blah. And so that's the first thing that came to my mind. It's just establishing those expectations from the beginning where it's like, hey, I know you want to do this. And so, you know, let's define the roles mm -hmm. that we want to do in this group or how, how are we going to work together? Because otherwise there's going to be, someone else is going to set those expectations that are going to be from their perspective. And then that's going to be untrue. That's not mm -hmm. going to be how that person's going to behave or work or whatever. And so I think, yeah, those expectations at the beginning are important. So, and that's interesting. And I've had that same kind of situation in groups at school. And in a situation like that, in theory, you and that group member have the same amount of power. How would you imagine it being different? Or do you think you would take the same approach if it was like your boss? So like someone over you who is like, I, you need to be working 80 hour weeks, maybe not 80 hour weeks, but you need to be, you know, working more. You need to be on call all the time. And that's not the life you want to live. What, um, how do you think you would handle that? That'd be hard yeah. because you <laughs> <Like> quit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's the easiest option, yeah. I suppose, is to just quit. And maybe it's the best option in certain, certain uh, circumstances. Um, but like I said, sometimes, you know, maybe that boss, you know, doesn't know that you can't do that, you know, and then it, then it becomes, you know, the boss is kind of ignorant in that way. Mm -hmm. Not that the boss is ignorant but they don't understand. They don't have He's all the information. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, you know, if that boss has yeah. no idea that some employee is dealing with something, then, you know, they're not going to be able to help them. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm hoping that more managers as we get into the future and more managers in our days are becoming more aware of how their employees are feeling. Uh, Cause I think that's really important mm -hmm. because if we, we want to say like, Oh, you know, your person, you, Take your personal life outside of work, and when you come to work, it's you're in yeah. work. But that's you check literally your feelings at the door. yeah. But that is literally impossible. Yeah. You're never ever going to do that. <laughs> no. You are who you are. You bring your personality and who you are to work. That's why we want diversity in workplaces mm -hmm. and things like that because it it brings 
Um, it brings a really good environment. Lots of great ideas come from it. And so you should bring your own personality and you should bring who you are to work. And I'm hoping that managers can see that. But going back to your question, um, how I would do that, I think that'd be really hard, but I feel like I would have to just sit down and talk with them. Mm-hmm. And it'd be a lot of practice on how I would word <laughs> what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, but I think it would, it would just come down to like, you know, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, I, I kind of had different expectations for what I wanted to do or work here. And I wanted to work with you to figure out, like kind of making a partnership. Instead of being like, you're a terrible boss, mm-hmm. I need to be doing this. Uh, making it a way where it's, we're working together on fixing this problem so that I can be more effective for the company and mm-hmm. for you. And I don't know if that answers your question. No, it's 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 a, it's a challenging spot to be in. And I think that that brings it back also to what this podcast is about is management. So like you as a manager or us as leaders at any point in our lives need to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. When people are not bringing 100% or not maybe not performing in the way that we think they should, maybe there just needs to be a conversation before chastisement or before um, consequences. Because again, like you said, like maybe he doesn't know, maybe he, they, <laughs> maybe they don't know. <laughs> um, women, women can be managers too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> um, I'm going to, I think I've done that a lot. This podcast said just he, when I'm talking about managers and that's something I need to work on for sure. I need that's to, a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. I know. Maybe I'll do an episode on that. Um, anyways, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I really do hope that we are heading that way as a society and as, um, organizations that we are allowing people to be people and not acting like we have somehow like risen above the human condition <laughs> to yeah. perform perfectly at work and to love every second of our jobs and to go above and beyond and work 24 um, seven. It's just unrealistic. It's unrealistic. And that's no one. We don't need to live that way anymore. Right. You know? I, I hope managers, you know, won't be so quick to judge. Mm-hmm. You know, like if someone's not performing well, you could easily just say like, oh, well, they're lazy. Yeah. They're slacking. Um, they're not going to get a good bonus this quarter or year or whatever. And it's like, maybe we should fire them. And it's like, oh, actually, they had a death in the family. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, that would explain why they're <laughs> yeah. not performing well. Maybe we should help this employee yeah. instead of chastising them, like you said. Um, something that when I was working at Snowflake, I was able to meet with the chief human resource officer, which was really fun mm. to talk to her. Um I asked her some questions about where she thinks HR is going moving forward Mm. and, you know, just some advice on, you know, how I should do things. And she was kind of explaining how we need to view people as people. And something that she told me was if someone's not performing well in a role, it's like maybe they just need to be in a different role. Mm -hmm. Like maybe we don't need to like get rid of them. It's like maybe we just need to change where they are. Because yeah. maybe that change in environment is what they need. Because it's like, if someone's wanting to work, if they apply for a job and they want to work, it's like, they obviously have some sort of motivation yeah. in them. Mm-hmm. It's just sometimes if you're in a role that you don't like, it's very demotivating. Right. And so you, they kind of lose that fire. But if you put them in a new role, give them some new responsibilities or you know change what they're doing day to day, perhaps that fire can burn again and then they become motivated to work. And so I think... You know, I hope we're past the days where it's like, well, you're not performing, well, you're out of here. Mm. 
And granted, there are probably times when that's appropriate. Yeah. But I think it's going through it case by case and seeing them as people. And hopefully managers can understand who these people are, what's going on in their lives, you know, how they're doing. And then that will make them more effective. And I think we've seen that. Jobs are doing... Have you seen that uh, a lot of companies are doing four-day work weeks? Yeah. I actually five? just read a post about it like right before I yeah. came here. And I think that is companies trying to help employees mm-hmm. have that more personal time, have them, you know, hopefully give them, give them better mental health and have them time to spend it with their family so that they can come to work and they're a little more focused, a little more energized and motivated because they've had that time to themselves. Yeah. So hopefully we're moving in the right direction that way. I think that working remotely, which is so common now, adds an interesting perspective to that. Um, Not an interesting perspective, an interesting layer to that, to the work-life balance, because it can go either way from what I've heard. And I haven't heard, you know, I've heard mixed things about remote work and the effect it's having on people's mental health, that some people love it. They love they feel more free because they can go on a trip and just be working and, and different things like that. Um, but I've also heard that some people are just working more because of it. You know, they are never clocking off because especially in a salaried position, you're not clocking off, but they never have that like metaphorical, like walking out the door, leaving work at work because it's just in their house. Um, and so I think that's an interesting thing that like maybe to a degree, like as managers in this like, um, up and coming world professional world we need to be aware of that of like making sure that we don't just have a four-day work week and we're like yeah a four-day work week but keep your phone on you (laughs) (laughs) and like i'm gonna i'm gonna be on teams um like how do we actually actually make sure it's balanced um and i think that comes down to like individual prioritization again like us making sure we're setting those standards and saying my phone's going to be off from this time to this time um and then also just like leaders setting those standards as well saying this is when you should be working and, and that's it. Yeah. My, my first day at Snowflake during my internship, um, it was five, it was 5 PM, right? Work days over supposedly. And I'm working remotely. And so, um, you know, I'm just wrapping up. I want to be a good employee. So I'm like still on, yeah. I'm still like doing things. And then I get a message from my manager and she's like, um, it's five Oh one. And I see you're still active. She's like, it's time to time to go home. <laughs> Essentially. She was like, yeah. it's like, um, enjoy your enjoy your afternoon. It's like, don't, don't worry cool. about it. Like, it's 501, mm-hmm. get out of here. I think she said get out of here, actually. That's what she said to me. But um, and it, it's just it I felt that kind of culture of like, oh, they respect my time. Yeah. Like I'm I can leave and now do things with my mm-hmm. family. And so I think there's a huge part about building company culture that way. Um, this is kind of a side note. I saw a post talking about LinkedIn posts. I'm assuming you mm-hmm. saw yours on LinkedIn. Yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the good stuff. Yeah. Um, I saw a LinkedIn. I love to just scroll on LinkedIn. I, that's all. Yeah. That's the only social media I use, actually. Yeah. Ex- <laughs> honestly, that's me. Uh, it's really only <laughs> yeah. other Um I saw a post that there are some companies that are implementing these programs where as soon as you reach like a certain amount of hours, like of your work day, it will lock you out of work stuff. Oh, wow. So it's like, don't work. That's cool. You, you're yeah. locked out. Yeah. And I think that's cool. I think I think it shows that the company mm-hmm. cares about their employees. Yeah. And wants them to be be okay and, and care about their and well-being. Setting that standard is so nice because I think about like 
the days in my life where I've had to like go to work sick or like go to school sick because people are like, well, you got to do it. It's like, can we not keep pretending that like whatever we're doing is that important? Also, like chances are I'm not a surgeon. Well, I'm not going to be a surgeon. I'm not going to be, I'm not saving anyone's life. Not that I'm not doing good, but yeah, sometimes we act like these things are so important that heaven forbid we miss a day because we're sick. And then, and then, you know, like the pandemic hit and I think that forced us to say, no, you have to stay home if you're sick and you have to, we can't be doing this, you know, like there's, there's bigger things. There's like things that are more important. Something, the last thing I want to say about, about work-life balance, I was talking to a woman who was in one of my classes and she was, I don't know how old she is, but she has adult children and has gone back to school and and is getting her degree and we did this project together where we were asking each other essentially just like this list of like 25 deep personal questions and that was the project we just had to talk about it and so I met with her outside of class and we're asking each other these questions and she uh, manages an, an apartment complex and one of the questions was like how do you avoid distractions or how do you how do you handle distractions in your life and she started and she was like, you know, she's like, I don't get very distracted. Like, I'm busy. I've got things to do. You know, like managing an apartment complex is kind of a 24-7 thing. And and then she's got school and she has her children and her family. And she was talking about that and she was like, every once in a while I'll, I'll watch TV for like 30 minutes. And then like that's like that's the distraction. So like it's not – I don't get distracted. And as soon as she said that, I had this thought and I told her this. I said, you know, I think for me the distractions – almost are work in school and that's what's keeping me not that I don't love those things and that it's not worth investing but I don't want to get so wrapped up in those things that I forget to just live my life and to like go outside which is what I love you know that the things that like feed my soul for back of lack of a better term um I think that sometimes I'm afraid of getting distracted by the grind and I said that and she cried <laughs> she, oh, wow. she she cried and she talked about um just how like her entire life she has done her best to eliminate distractions you know like watching movies and things like that and and freedom to focus on the other things and it's like I do I don't allow myself to like do the things that are feeding her soul and I think about that a lot and I think I don't want to get so distracted with the grind that I am making a lot of money and not feeling fulfilled Mm -hmm. i well i completely agree you're just changing people's lives Haley. oh yeah (laughs) but no i agree i think there is obviously more to life than working and making money those things are really important and they can be really fulfilling uh, for some people um but it's also that's not life you know that there is so much more there's so much to explore and to see and um, you know, I think about like my family, it's like I have a kid and it's like that mm-hmm. is so much more important than my, the grade I get on my next exam or test or whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's finding that balance and that can be really tricky because I think sometimes in, at least in Western culture and, and depending on where you live, it's really pushed down your throat that it's like, you got to work, 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 work. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we see that a little with the older generation as well we love the older generation by the way yep um but <laughs> thank you older generation thanks older generation thank <laughs> we love we love you but i think sometimes just how the times that they lived in 
it was a lot of that. It was like, you got to work, you got to do this, no days off kind of deal. Um, but I think we're seeing now, and we actually are seeing lots of scientific proof now that it's just not the case, mm. that it's better to be happy and to take some time for yourself and that'll actually make you a better employee. And so, you know, hopefully as the new generation, what are we, Gen Z? Gen Z, yeah. I never remember. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, you know, Gen Z gets a lot of better rap, but hopefully we're the ones that can help mm -hmm. perpetuate that a little more, help people um, live their lives a little more, help them be happier. And in turn, they can do really good work. So, yeah. Well, I hope so. I hope that's us. I hope that we, will um, be us. We're I have faith. trailblazers. I have faith in us. <laughs> I do too. Well, I have faith in our generation. I don't know. I have moderate faith in myself, but <laughs> 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 I think we'll be fine. Well, I'm excited to I'm excited to see where we end up in the HR world, or if one of us has like a crazy career change. Sometimes I think about that. I know, like, what if I become a chef? <laughs> That'll you never could. happen. I actually think about that too. Every time I'm cutting, you my think about me being no, a chef? No, not you being a chef. <laughs> that would be a shock. That would be not that you don't make good meals, but I make one meal. You make one. So meal. So I, that's all I got. I'd be well open a restaurant. It's good though. <laughs> it's tasty, actually. It's, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, but I'm excited to see where we end up, and I do think like not just you and I, but our generation is hopefully gonna change some things in the professional world and in the business world for the better. I think so too. Thanks so much for having me, Haley. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Nice. We did it. <laughs> <laughs>